with all the the crust kids and like they all drank Mickey's. They all yeah, drank really? that stuff. Yep. And I was like this like straight edge like thrasher. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I used to feel bad because like Steel Reserve to this day was the only alcohol that ever made me an angry person because if I finished the first forty. I was the coolest guy hanging out. But if I finished the second 40, I was walking around with the bottle like, yeah. I want to hit somebody with this. I want to see what it's like. Like, it's awful. Mirror so Bud Ice. Yeah. I had one of those not too long ago. All right, welcome to, uh, to the podcast. We're here at 12th and Farmer. I'm joined by Eric Baez. Correct, sir. And uh, Chappelle Lacey. Yep. I don't really know where to start off with this because uh, I've never met. I met Chappelle just now, and I've only started talking to Eric recently, mm. but... In talking while we were setting this podcast up, we have a lot in common, apparently. Music, which I didn't expect yeah. that. Yeah. And obviously, I knew we had stuff in common, but... Yeah. I think it's just that age range, and if, like, you run into someone at a show who you have never met, but you're in the same, like, age, like, age bracket, you're like, oh, we've probably run into each other before, yeah. especially in Arizona, especially with, like, the type of music that we've listened to or grew up. That's such a small, close-knit community in its own. And then to be like, you know, kind of the same brand, it's like, okay, we've had to run each other at this show or this show or yeah. this show or this and I, show. And I think like for me, like a lot of people don't expect me to listen to music that I listen to. Listen to is Mainly, I don't dress the way that I fucking used yeah. to back in the day. You know, I can't fit a lot of those clothes because <laughs> I'm way 250 pounds Your jean jacket muscle. vest. Wait, wait, yeah. so how did, how did you used to dress? I used to wear like the whole jean jacket vest. Um, I used to wear like really tight dickies and like having high water. Yeah. And then high top, high top chugs. You wore you know? moon stompers had, a yeah, lot. Yeah. I had like band patches and spikes and studs on the. 32 lace dogs. Well, <laughs> if you know. don't know what Chappelle looks like, he, 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 how much do you weigh? 250 pounds. And, and yet it's not. The dude's in shape. The dude's in shape. <laughs> it's not like 250. We touch base on it because we're watching football. College football just started. In fact, ASU plays down the street later tonight, so you may hear the fireworks. But I, I told Chappelle I had the game on for him because Chappelle used to be, be a cheerleader for Louisville, <laughs> yeah. which is a big program. That's yeah. not something you just. Massive. How, how, does that, how does that come about? Like, how did you get into it? What made you think you wanted to try it? So, this is funny. So, I played in a ska band. <laughs> yes. I played in a ska band, and then uh, we all, like, kind of, I used like, to love ska, by dispersed. the way. I still listen to it. Uh, <laughs> we all, like, dispersed or whatever, but I used to jam out with the drummer still, and he had a really hot sister that I had, like, a big crush on. And so, uh, originally, when I was, like, seven years old, I taught myself how to do, like, backflips and all that stuff. I'm a Just big, from watching Ninja Turtles? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was a big geek for martial art films, you know, all ah. that stuff. And so um, uh, one day we were like in some field and she was like tumbling. And I was like, I know how to do that. And she didn't believe me. And then I showed her and she was like, you want to join cheer? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's how, that's how I got into it. Wait, how old were you then? Um, that, I was 15. So you were 15. You played bass or guitar in the ska band? In the ska band, I played bass. All right, but by the way, you answered that. You can play guitar? Uh, yeah. All right, I play, all right. That's, that's what I play, like, normally. Well, you can also play drums. I've seen video of you playing oh, drums. Yeah, yeah, I can play the drums, too. So, was that your first band? Yeah, we were called, like, Spent Custard. And then... <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a ska band. Yeah, no, dude. Our, our friend's dad came up with it. He goes, you guys are fucking Spent Custard. And we were like... Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We are dead. We are. Hell yeah, we are. We're you can't proud tell of us it. anything different. But like, so and then I, uh, and for a little bit, very very little time, uh, I played in like a more like street punk 
a band like the Casualties and yeah, stuff like dude. that. Um, and we were called Decrepit Youth. Where was where was this at? Um, the ska band was in Mesa. The uh, Decrepit Youth was in uh, Chandler. So, right, so you're in Arizona at that. Because you yeah, said Arizona. you went to Texas. Yeah, I went to Texas. That was all for, like, going to cheer in school and stuff. All right. So so you started doing it in high school? Yeah. And then you graduate. And I'm, I'm not – I'm smiling, but I'm not making fun at all. Because, like, <laughs> I, love, I love athletics, all yeah. sorts of it. Okay, and as yeah, a kid, you know, you can watch, like, male gymnasts or whatever, like, whatever. But as an adult, I watch. I'm like, that's so impressive. Yeah. Well, Chappelle just gave the biggest, like, hint to, like, 13-year-olds are like, well, I can't do sports, so I'm going to start a band to get girlfriends. It's like, <laughs> yeah. well, you could join cheer and get girlfriends. Yeah. And, that, and that was the thing. Like, I didn't – I didn't play any sports. I did skateboarding. Like, everyone yeah. thinks I, like, did, like, some sort of sport before, like, cheer. Like, you know, as far as, like, basketball, baseball, right. all that stuff. But I didn't. I, I did skateboarding, and I played in bands. <laughs> so that's what I did. <laughs> so you must have gotten decently serious about it. Or were you just good at it? And so it was easy I got to take re- it serious. Yeah, I got really good at it. Like, really, really fucking good at it. And then I just kept doing it. And then, but then I was like, man, I'm kind of bored with it, you know, because I, I wanted to do something different. But there was just something about the whole performing aspect that I've always liked. Well, well, and that's what I was going to, that's what I'm getting to, because you posted a picture the other day of you in the Louisville, the outfit. And I mean, it, that's a massive crowd you're in yeah. front of, regardless of what you're doing on the field. That's a lot of people you're yeah. engaging with. Mm-hmm. So is that scene competitive? In the same way that athletics are, like someone's going to take your job if you don't yeah, know the newest well, moves. Yeah, or- yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Cheer is like very, very competitive. Like especially like if you're going, because because like I don't know, it's it, in its own world, it's so like popular and like just just crazy. You know what I mean? It's a small world, but it's like very intense. Like these competitions are massive. Like you know they hold them at they have a big uh, college nationals in Daytona, Florida. They have a big like uh, competitive All Star Nationals or or World Championship in uh, at Disney World and stuff like that. So like it gets it gets really so really bring it on didn't really shed a good enough light on no. it. Is what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny before my first cheer competition, I watched Bring It On because I was like because <laughs> I was like I was so confused. I was like, what is this? This is this what I do? <laughs> was it like, like that? Was it really like? No, no, it's pretty. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, it was not like that. Well, you no. said so. You said you went to Texas, but yeah. East Texas, yeah, and that was from Arizona to Texas, mm-hmm. and that that was what for a scholarship or? Yeah, I had a scholarship for that school. I got a full ride there uh, when I when I cheered there. What was the school? It was called Trinity Valley Community College. It was a community college, and it was like a badass. Like, uh, it was like the one of the, you know. Like the best for like junior college and stuff in the nation. So, so what you did two years there and then you went to Louisville? No, what did I do? I did like a, I did yeah, I did two years, but I like I, I did it like broken up. I did one full year and then like a semester one time and then a semester another time, and then I went to Louisville and that's where I started comedy though. And really? So I, so I, so I only did a year there and I dropped out to do comedy. All right, but you cheered that year? Yeah. So is the biggest thing the, the, the game, or is it a bigger thing to do the actual cheer competition? Both are pretty huge because, like, it's a D1 school well, as far as, like, you know, like, you know, as far as, like, the athletics go. So, like, you know, cheering all those big games and stuff like that, that's pretty huge. But, like, you know, the competition is, you know. It's more for you and you might do yeah. more elaborate stuff. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's, let me backtrack 
So this whole time you're cheering, and you're still into like ska and punk rock, or you're still in bands after Decrepit Youth? No, I because I was so into cheer, but but I was strictly strictly hardcore punk like the whole time like like people like and that, and that was the thing about me like no one no one knew about me they like they would see that they're like what is this like punk rock guy doing about to put on a cheer uniform and like go right. do this thing and so and then they would see how talented i was and, well, and or the like, opposite what's this athletic cheerleader doing now at the punk rock show yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. throwing down in the uh-huh. pit yeah exactly <laughs> you know and I, it's funny because i would ditch i remember one time i ditched practice to go see uh Circle Jerks and GBH yeah. <laughs> at Marquee Theater. I, I feel like that's 16. a stigma, though. Like, you have that guys because you grew up under that, like, like veil in high school. So they, oh, all the preppy kids who do this and have money, they're the football people and the, and the cheerleaders. And then all the crusty punk or the art people that do bands. Right. Like, my, one of my best friends, Jen, from my high school, she would go to all, like, the metal shows, punk shows. She had, like, covered in tattoos. She put on a cheer uniform, cheer for our high school football yeah, team. And exactly, stuff. like and I like mean, all the girls on the team that were kind of the previous are like, she's so. What do you listen to? What right, are you yeah, listening yeah. to? Oh, I got, yeah, I got that. Them. I got that the whole time. I I was cheering. Everyone was just like, this is just so different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's we fear change. You know, <laughs> I, I've always been able to sort of ride the line between both because. Uh, I grew up playing soccer. I love athletics. At my heart, I'm sort of a jock. But then teenage i went to bmx skateboarding because i like the creativity of it yeah. the marriage of music and i've always loved fashion and skate i yeah. feel in music both push men's fashion really yeah. hard mm-hmm. um so so what what are you doing at this time Baez? like around college because you were talking all about flagstaff and a radio yeah, show so i um i i've only been doing stand-up for about it was i had my five-year anniversary this memorial day um I moved down to Phoenix in 2010. I moved to Arizona in 2002 for college. I went to Flagstaff. I went to NAU. I was there for probably about five and a half years, but it was on and off because I would quit to do a band, do the band, and then when the band would disperse, I would go back to school. Mm. So, um, Wait, now how many times did that happen? Three. Okay. Well, no, two for a band, and then once I moved to Chicago for a year, and then realized, like, no, I started something in Arizona. I want to go back and finish it. And that was the problem is when I went back, I had switched my major so many times that I had taken out all student loans for it. And when I went for my last semester, the semester I was supposed to graduate college, I went to the bursar's office two weeks before class started. They're like, no, we over-awarded you on your subsidized loans by an extra $1,500, so we can't give you any more money. And I was like, well, how much are my unsubsidized loans? They're like, oh, well, you still have thirty-four grand left for that. And I was like, well, can I just take that out? They're like, no, you have to pay us back that $1,500 for you to take out this money. And I was like, so what do I do? Like, you have to come up with $1,500 in two weeks or you don't go to school this semester. Now, in hindsight, what I should have done is just not gone that semester and took the time, like now that I look back, <laughs> yeah. I'm taking that, that you know, semester off and get the money to buy it back so I could go spend the rest of my uh, money. But right. I was so freaked out. And I had my classes all picked. So I was like, all right, well, screw it. I'll just pay my semester in cash. So I was like $780 a month. My rent wasn't too bad. And I was working at this nice restaurant. So... I was making the money, and then the last two months, two and a half months, I went under because, like, snow hit, the restaurant took a dive, my hours got cut, and I couldn't make it. So then I went from owing $1,500 to my subsidized loans to even start school there, or, like, get loans to go finish school there, to now owing NAU almost two grand to even get my transcripts, which I couldn't afford at all. So I went from being 15 to three uh, grand in the hole. So I didn't get to finish school there, and then that's when I stayed for another, like, year and a half. And I was like, you know what? If 
I'm not going to school here. I'm not doing anything in Flagstaff. I might as well move down the hill and I'm going to go to Phoenix. Well, either way, if you're yeah. changing your majors and stuff, were you going to school for some like specific reason? Yeah. So I started as a VizCom major where I was doing graphic design because I actually did a, in school, I went to this vocational school called uh, JVS, Joint Vocational School, which was originally was set up as that tech program for all the kids that are like, they know they they might not graduate high school. These kids are skipping class, right. whatever, doing drugs. So they're like, let's teach these kids a trade, like whatever. To an actual job. Yeah, so that way if they do drop out, they can get a job when they get out of high school, like some kind of manufacturing thing, auto labor, or like cosmetology or something. Well, they started this program called... Um, Which, when I was in college, those jobs seemed a lot less attractive than as a 31-year-old. I'm like, having a trade isn't that bad yeah, right? a deal. I know mean, <laughs> it is. I clean houses and make more money than I did at retail. My so. sister got her master's degree. She's like drowning in debt, and she's like just has a job at Chase Bank. And I was like... But anyone could get a job in Jason. <laughs> yeah. And not talking to my sister, but just like she went to school for like journalism. I thought my sister was gonna be this high end journalist breaking news and then halfway through college she's like, I just don't like the market. I don't like what they have to go through. And I was like, Oh, okay, I held you in the spot like you're gonna be this person because you picked something when you were seventeen years right. old. Like Right, exactly. And so that was my thing is I I want to go to this vocation school called Tech Prep and that they built that for all the students that were like B C students that they knew they were going to do something at a college, but they wanted to get their focus in it so they have a better chance of getting into a better college. So I did IMT, which is Interactive Multimedia Technology. So it taught me uh, video production, web design, web production, graphic design, uh, stage production, lighting, video editing, and audio editing. Okay. So I learned all this in this class. It was awesome class so i went to college I, which is it sounds smart because it all ties into what you're doing creatively like yeah, it's now music like, band there's the thing is if i want to put on a show i know how to do every aspect of that show by myself i know how to set up the camera i know how to edit it i know how to set up the sound i know where the lights go i know how to do the stage thing i know how to do three-point lighting if i'm interviewing somebody so i can do it all myself which is sad because i learned all this in high school and then went to college like we're just gonna teach you about it a little more uh. but um I went for graphic design when I went to college, and then I realized there was so many, so much art background behind it, and I was like, well, I could just get Adobe certified, and then I don't have to take all these figure drawing classes. I was trying to get the easy way out, and then looking back, I was like, well, no, you do figure drawing and all this stuff, because it teaches you like a culture and a whole like, appreciation for everything you look at, like, right, right, like right. an artistic banner. So I left that, and I went to electronic media uh, production. Uh, no, it was, uh, it was EMF, uh, electronic media uh film so i went there and then i wound up getting a um my boost in my major for radio production so i wound up hosting my own radio show for three years before they built the brand new comm building i had it for one year before they built the new comm building and then I had it for two years prior and then i also worked in the kjack radio station um and then i wound up becoming the loud rock director where i was in charge of like inputting all the metal and hard rock and loud rock music was no I, I, hold on hold on hold on well, basically what I'm getting at is it's not like you were in a band and then you were like, you were picking your career that was completely out of left field and then you changed majors to something that was over here. Oh, yeah, field. no, no. My major was pretty focused, yeah. pretty pretty driven in one direction. Every, That's what I'm getting Every at. major focus was pretty much under the guise of the communications building. One, it started with graphic design, then it changed to electronic media production, um, focusing more on management uh, after that instead of production. And then I was doing that for a while. And then when I left, I moved to Chicago. And I wound up like, just kind of trying to figure myself out, like, what do I want to do? Should I, do I want to go to college in Chicago now? Or, and I was like, no, I should go back to Arizona. And um, I fell in love with the show 30 Rock. It was when it first came out. And I was like, what's this show? Like, I like Tina Fey on SNL. 
And I just like the idea of like, well, people can just hang out in writers' rooms. Like you get paid to like joke around with your friends. Like what is this? So I wound up going back to Arizona, and I finished, and that was my major is going to be electronic media with an emphasis on writing for television and film. Okay. So I wrote a bunch of spec scripts, a bunch of different stuff in all these classes, doing writing exercises. And then my last semester, before I was supposed to start the final semester, our final project is you had to write um, a web series, you and three other people. So it was a team of four. And you all had to write an episode, and then it had to be a web series that you were going to put online. So we all wrote it down, and then I turned mine in, and my whole... Like they're like, okay, at the end of it, one of you guys has to read your web series episode or pick an episode, you guys are going to read it, and you're going to cast people in the classroom to go up and read as a character. So it's also kind of like an acting class. And so everyone in my like, group was like, we got to, yours, yours, yours is awesome, yours is awesome. And I was like, oh, I guess. Like, I thought it was kind of cool, but whatever. So they went up and read my script, and the entire classroom was like dying laughing. Like, I had two people like crying laughing. And I'm sitting there going like, wait, for real? You guys just punking me? Like, this isn't really that great. <laughs> And my teacher told me afterwards, he's like, that was really great. Like, have you ever thought about writing comedy? I was like, no, I'm a lead singer in a band. Like, that's what I plan on doing. <laughs> like, I'm going to make it big, right? Yeah. And so then after that, I was like, I guess I'm going to start writing. And then I wrote a couple more spec scripts. I wrote a first uh, treatment, uh, treatment for, like, this movie I wanted to do that also could have turned into a graphic novel. And then when I had that hiccup where I couldn't find the money to go back to school, I was, like, staying in Flagstaff for a bit. And then I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go down the hill. And I moved down here, and I went to start another band, and I tried it was a couple of guys. Now, hold on, hold on. So these three bands you were in, how many bands were you in Flagstaff? And what were they called? I was in, I want to say four or five. I say four or five, but the ones that actually were notable right. was um, this band, uh, Salem and Isabel, which is the one that I did kind of long. So that was the grindcore band I was in. And I did another band, uh, my other band was called Nightlife. That's a band that I play with, like, uh, Trash Talk and Modern Life gotcha. is War and, like, um, Evergreen Terrace. Like, that was the band. And that was kind of like a Southern Rock, almost like a Mailing and Sons of Disaster, yeah. Cancer yeah. Bats type sound. Yeah. Um, that was the one that I had the most fun on. Like, that was a blast. But you I were was, the front man for all of these? I was the front man for that one. And then I was, it was dual front man for the... Oh, really? The Brian Salem Cole. Isabel one, yeah. And Despite then I was also a guitar yeah. player for this band, Athena, that I was doing... Um, with my buddy Matt Robb. It was just like this get-together thing. And we only wanted to play in like two or three shows with that band, and then it just also disbanded. No one wanted to write or practice or whatever, and everyone got busy. I'm trying to think. This was probably around the time where Blues and American Black Lung around Blues didn't. Blues started when I was uh, in nightlife. Blues started after, I want to say, The Bled was still together, because that's when I, st I started booking shows and I worked for the radio station and I booked uh, James Muniz's first live show that he did with The Bled when he replaced, I think the guy's name was Adam. His first live show was in Flagstaff and it was a book I, a show. Wait, James, was he the singer? Singer, yeah. The okay. original singer's name was Adam, I think. And then. Because I saw, I saw, the first time I ever heard of The Bled was that show I was telling you. It was The Bled and then Norma Jean on the Bless the Martyr tour yeah. with the singer that wasn't Josh. Yeah. And then Stretch Armstrong was headlining. How dope! <laughs> yeah, that was a good. That was a good one. Was but, that um, here? This was at the door in Dallas. Oh, okay. so did you ever go there? No. It was right there by Billy Bob's. But uh, and like I said, uh, that was the first hardcore show I walked into. That was like, because I didn't listen to a lot of heavy music, and what really got me was seeing how it's interpreted live. Yeah. The intensity of it, and just like, yeah, 
I love the pits. I'm just yeah. drawing, even just staying on the edge. Like, this is sick. Yeah. Like, and I know you, we were joking earlier because Chappelle, Chappelle's an athletic dude. He could like kill it in the pit. <laughs> yeah. I like it though. I mean, I sort yeah. of like the danger of it. And I used to like Oh yeah. It. It's it, like, I don't know. The pit is just like one of those things where it's just like this huge release and it like is. This, but and we it, also we also came out at a time where like before crowd killing was a thing like you go and mosh pick your friend up now it's just people running to the side and just jumping and punching someone in the face i'm like hey man we didn't used to do this back yeah, in the day. Exactly. You, you posted that video and like on one hand i was like what the hell and on the other hand i was like that looks fun as shit yeah and at the end it kind of ends and everybody's like hugging and stuff yeah. i get it i mean i get why people do mma fighting and stuff yeah. like i you got to get it out of your system yeah but um so, like, going back to that, so that show happened. It was a show I booked with my friend Graham and then the radio station. Um, and it was The Bled, this band Vox, which is one of my favorite bands, and this band The Start. That was V-A-U-X. A yeah. They were on Volcom Records. I remember yeah, them. They're great. I love yeah, that band. They they're from Denver, I think. Yeah. Um, those guys were amazing. And we booked that show. And then after that, I started booking more and more. Like, uh, we booked Armor for Sleep with... Um, Co- it was Armor for Sleep, Copeland, and uh, what's the band's name with the shaved head? I can't remember his name. Oh, Not yeah. Jealous Sound, but it'll come to me. I'm like, remember, Park, the band Park. Oh, okay. That was it. I was like, what band is this? I was thinking of a different. See, yeah. I was in a different scene than you guys were. Well, then also I booked my first year. I was like, I want to do a music fest. So I booked a thing called Jack Fest. I saw the flyers and posters of it, of the lineup that was on it. And it was $5. It was from 1 in the afternoon until 2 in the morning. And it was at this place called the Mad Italian or Club 111. They changed it a bunch of times. And I booked all these bands that were from L.A., Vegas, Tucson. They had one band from Texas, another band from Colorado that came in. That I don't know what happened to them, but they're like one of my favorites. Um, and I booked an all-day fest, and I just charged $5 for it. And it was great, and I paid all the bands what they were supposed to get paid. I paid my sound guy. And it was everything from indie rock to punk rock bands to grind bands, to like eclectic like noise bands, mm-hmm. and then just regular rock and roll bands. Wait, so this was in this was in Flagstaff. Stuff. Yeah, why'd you say it was a different scene than what you were in? More I indie. Was, yeah, I was I was more into like you know like the whole like uh, just '80s hardcore. So I was still like all those bands that were still playing. I was going to all those shows like the whole like British uh, punk as well. And then I started getting into like the the crust punk and going to all. All those kind of shows. So I, I didn't really go to like uh, any of like the see. I only Norma went to like Gene and stuff yeah. like that. I didn't, I never went to. I only went to like uh, skate punk like shows that. when I was younger. Like I, w- I would go see like Voodoo Glow Skulls and anything yeah. that anything that was on Nitro Records or like Fat Records. Right. I'd be at that stuff. Yeah. No well, I, it, when I was big into music, you know, when I lived in Lubbock, like I said, where I went to college. Yeah. Uh, Beggars can't be choosers, so you can't. You almost can't afford to be into one scene specifically, as yeah. I assume it's probably yeah. similar in Flagstaff. You really gotta like. You if were Flagstaff in Phoenix at that time. Mesa is where like I grew up, and that's where like, like Mesa had like a really good punk rock yeah, scene at the underground. Yeah. When so, you were saying earlier you were skinny. When did you get big? When I, like two years ago when I started. Oh really? Let's yeah. well, say yeah. You like I remember like the day you're like, no, I'm not drinking no more, and I was like, okay, we'll see how long that lasts. And then he just announced at Tempe Improv at the Super Treasures. I was like, I've been two years sober. I was like, has it been two years already? <laughs> two and a half. I was like, that's crazy. <clears throat> it 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 does fly. I'm not complaining. I mean, mm-hmm. we just reached our two years when we first started recording this podcast on August 18th, and it was a like a shot in the face where I'm yeah. like, holy cow. I realized yeah. I did. I on Memorial Day, I was like, this is my fifth year doing stand up. 
like that's insane because I was in Flagstaff for like seven, eight years. I'm like, I've been doing stand-up almost as long as I was living in like my entire like adult life. I was like, I, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like just like a year and a half ago, I was running the Copper Blues show. Yeah. Like, I'd be like, oh, I'm just new. I'm starting out. And I guess it's also because I haven't been writing a lot. So I've been using the same jokes <laughs> for the past five years. Well, that I mean, doesn't help. I mean, I, the time seems to go by quick, but I've also had more things that I've really been enjoying doing with my life. So it's like, of course, yeah. time's yeah. going to speed up when you got, I mean, for example, looking forward to doing this, Huckleberry tonight, tomorrow, band practice, another yeah. podcast. Like, it, it does go I by. I was telling him, I was like, dude, this month is going to be insane. I got Russian circles on Monday. Uh, Friday was, I can't remember some of the other things we were doing this week. Um, I'm going to Black Sabbath this month with Rival Sons. I got, um, oh, DFL's playing at the Yucca Tap Room. I've been mm-hmm. waiting what does I say? It was a 17? I'm 32. Yeah, I think it's been 15 years. I've been waiting to see this band play. No, it's been 17 years. I've been waiting to see this band play. Hmm. I listened to them all throughout like high school. It's this awesome punk rock band that was on Grand Royale, the Beastie Boys label. Have you ever heard the song Heart Attack Man by Beastie Boys? I don't know. It's, uh, it's like their punk rock song. DFL, like their entire music catalog, sounds like that song. Oh, and okay. uh, it's so good. And um, I've been waiting since I was like in high school to see this band, and they're finally playing. And I saw they're playing at Yucca Tavern. I'm like, I have to go to this. And I was like, Why are they not the headliner yeah, on this uh, goddamn bill? And then I'm going to that uh, Daughters is this month. I'm going to Daughters. Yeah, and I was I, like, It's finally like now music's no, I, clashing in with like like ex- like excitement for like comedy shows. Well, dude, it's it's. Coming from Lubbock, where we were just talking about, there's not a whole lot to do. Coming out here to Phoenix, I was like. It, it seems like there's a lot to do. But then the kids that were raised here or from L.A. or San Francisco, yeah. New York, of course it's going to be a little boring. But, man, this year, it's like I don't want to hear anybody talk about it. There's nothing to do. Oh, and it might be because tons. it's probably because I've had getting to know Anwar and have some comedians come in, and then I friend you guys on Facebook. So I see all these, the, all these other flyers. Mm-hmm. I friend all these bands on Facebook. So maybe it's just because it's in my face. It's every freaking night mm-hmm. to where we did, we did Uncle Acid. Yeah. The next night, I was like, I'm staying home on purpose because I knew the next night I was right back at Crescent for that drag show. Yeah. Uncle, Both did, of those were amazing, by I did the way. Uncle Acid, and then I went the next night to Grand Avenue Pizza, hung out with some comics there, went to Third Space, and then Thursday was the drag show, right? Yeah. Yeah, Wednesday, I wound up going to AZ's Funniest at Tempe Improv to like kind of support some of my friends that were on the show, which I actually like to think that five years of comedy, I walked in, I was like, those three guys are going to win it. And those three guys won it. I was like, yeah. oh, I totally called it. I should have put money on this. <laughs> oh, was Turner one of those? No, this was this past Wednesday. So it was John Connell, Gene Moore, and um, uh, EJ Nonstop. All right. And uh, like, I walked in. I saw the list. I was like, those dudes right there. And they're like, really? You sure? I was like, they're going on one after another. I was like, they will win it. And they're like, okay. But, um, and then Thursday we did the drag show. Yeah. Then last night I was on First Friday Night Live at Lawn Gnome. Then wound up going over to Firehouse to watch... Or no, I did first Friday night, the comedy show at um, Law Gnome. And then I went to first Friday night live at Firehouse, which is like their SNL. Watched that over there. Uh, and then I went home and I woke up this morning. I was like, I've been out every goddamn night this week after I just had a conversation with my girlfriend. Like, I want to stay yeah. home more. And yeah. it's not even me. Look, like, I want to do something tonight. I have to really search. It's just I look, open Facebook yeah. and it's like two events today. Like, oh, Yeah, shit. pretty much. I'm not complaining. I love it. I mean, I like being busy and having something come up every day. It's just I don't have time for people. Like, it's nothing to do. I don't know what. That's true. Like how you guys are saying in like Lubbock and like in the Texas area, like in Flagstaff, if you wanted to see a band or see a show, you had to drive to Phoenix. Yes. If you wanted them to come yeah. to Flagstaff, book them yourself. And that's that was the thing I was talking about. Is like if if you don't see something 
around that you think you'd be into, then make it yourself. Right. Yeah. Like, DIY. I right. like, so I would book shows. I'm like, I want to get this band up here. How much is it going to cost me? Do I have to do a venue rental? Can I have the college pay for it? If I would have known that if I was working in like student sections, they would give me money to have bands come. And I was like, I wish I would have fucking known in the college. I would have had every fucking band yeah. come to flags and have the school pay for it. That's why I like living in Phoenix though, is because, because I, I kind of can't help it. I like consuming things, whether it be comedy or music, but yeah. I really, really like creating. Even if it doesn't go anywhere, yeah. I like seeing something tangible. So for me, that's why I started the podcast because I, two years ago, I'm listening to all these LA based podcasts and like, I'm in my head, I'm like, I want to hear what that guy thinks, yeah. like the dad singer for the metal band. You know what I mean? I want to pick his brain because I used to sing for a band and no one's podcasting with him. So yeah. I'll start it and I'll do it and pick his brain. I love Dean Del Rey's podcast that he had, but he's putting on like, because he's interviewing band members and stuff, but he's interviewing all the bands that he likes, but the dude's also 50. Right. So it's like, oh, I, don't, I didn't listen to those guys back yeah, in the day. Yeah. I was like three when you were at that show. I think like one of the last ones I listened to of his was... The Mars Volta one? No, it was uh, Nick Oliveri from uh, the ex-bases of Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah. You know I mean? The one I listened to was yeah. he, listened, he talked to Omar, uh, was it Rodriguez Lopez? The dude from Mars Volta and At The Drive-In, and he interviewed that dude. And I was like, that's the only one I really want to listen yeah, to. Omar. But like, I always I had the idea when I worked at Press Room, I wanted to do interviews, or I, I even thought about doing a Crescent, is I wanted to do a podcast where it'd be people that were into comedy and metal, and I'd interview metal bands or like hardcore bands or punk rock bands and ask them about what they like about comedy like who's your favorite comedian what's the last comedy show you saw what's the last yeah. what's your favorite jokes of this and then have comedians come on and talk what's the last bands or what's the last concert you went to what's right. the show you like like what'd you grow up listening to just to get an evening ends of the spectrum of right it. all right so where are we at here let's let's get into i guess whenever you moved to phoenix yeah so i moved to phoenix 2010 did you come here to stay i just came to get away from flag right. and I didn't want to go back to Chicago because I didn't like whatever and I had friends that had moved down here from uh, Flagstaff and I used to that's the other thing too is, this is a precursor to this story I used to throw a bunch of house parties at like when I lived in Flagstaff I'd have house shows bands would play at my house at mosh pits in my fucking kitchen like there was some huge bands that played with us I think we had Knights of the Abyss play at my house one time <laughs> and like we had the, I think the band Dead Hearts stayed at my house they were on like Ferret Records or something like that and they literally put their merch table in my driveway, and like this cop would always show up. And I always, like, there was a couple times I answered the door, like, in just my underwear and like a <laughs> neckerchief on. And he was like, hey, I need you to turn it down. And I was like, and I always remember the cop. I was like, you used to be my RA. I had you on my radio show. You played acoustic guitar. Come check this out. And I walk him inside and show him the flyer on my fridge from the first show I ever booked, and I had him on it. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, man, I've been here twice. You you always forget that you walk me into your kitchen. You do this every time. <laughs> he was like, next time a cop comes in, a uh, don't let him in your house when you got a bunch of miners holding alcohol. And I was like, oh, yeah, sorry, dude. He's like, all right, just turn the noise down. I'll see you later. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, my bad. But um, so I used to have, like, all these house shows and stuff. So when I moved down to Phoenix, I tried to start a band. And it was my buddy who's in this band, Flying Scorpion. And I think it – The I new – go ahead. Yeah, I don't know if it was that band or not. They were starting a new band, and I was going to try out for vocals. Uh, drummer really wasn't feeling me, so I was like, okay, well, whatever. Like, shit, I want to start a band. It's not happening again. Well, my old college roommate who used to be around during my house parties, he was like, well, dude, you used to tell all those funny stories, like, you know, on the road and on tour and stuff, and you were doing that writing. He's like, why don't you just try stand-up? And I was like, nah, dude, like, that's not me. And he was like, dude, just give it a shot. And I was like, I don't know. I'll think about it. And then I moved into Phoenix, and I uh, 
I was moving to my spot, and my buddy took me out, my brand new roommate, and he's like, there's this dive bar next door called Groggy's. Let's go next door, just get drunk and celebrate you being here. I was like, okay. Why don't we get blackout drunk? And I woke up the next morning, I checked my email, it says, you are slotted to perform at the comedy spot in two months. You must bring no less than three people, no more than ten. Uh, do five minutes, blah, blah, blah. If you want to buy a video, it's 25 bucks. I'm like, all right, I got two months to write a set list out. Hmm. And then so I wrote uh, my five minutes of jokes. I only invited three friends, my old roommate who told me to do comedy, his fiance, who wasn't his fiance, it was his wife now, uh, wasn't his fiance at the time, and then his best friend, Josh. And they sat front row, front, and the thing is that the lights, they're so bright that I could only see those three. Yeah, yeah. So I just acted like I was back at like our house in Flagstaff having a house party and telling them stories. Yeah. And I did the whole thing, and I wound up getting laughs from them, the entire crowd, and I got compliments from all those people, plus the staff, and everyone asked me, like, how long have you been doing this? Huh. And I was like, oh, I, this was my first time. They're like, bullshit. And I was like, no. They're like, you seem so natural up there. I was like, well, I used to be in a band, so being on stage is a problem. Right, right. And I was like, and I used to do comedy writing in college, so writing jokes isn't a problem. And they're like, oh, yeah, it seems great. So from that day on, that's all I've been that doing. That makes me think of Keith Buckley, too, because I'm one of those old Every Time I Die DVDs. Beef Curtly? There's like a little special section where it's him doing comedy. But it's like, why not? Once you're already used to getting on stage in front of all those people. Oh, it was the Shit Happens DVD. is yeah. the Easter egg. Yeah, that's and it. And he was like, I came home. My dog was hanging out. I was like, hey, did you TiVo survive? He's like, yeah, I would have. It was fucking Tuesday. <laughs> it's fucking crickets. Oh, yeah, the place was called Merlin's that he was at. I just remember he has a joke about a dead fetus or something. I laugh. It doesn't I matter. The point of it is, is that Keith Buckley, like, he has nothing to lose. Why not try it? Let's show you this fucking Mishka Shubali who... uh I'm doing a show with, with Anwar in October at Rebel Lounge. Well, we're going to get to that because that's with okay. Christine Levine as well. Yeah. You could, you could show me that Oh, no, he's, he was sending me pictures because he did, uh, Mishka did um, a writer's uh, seminar. At Warp Tour with Keith Buckley. Yeah. And so he was sending me pictures of Keith on stage wearing his Mishka shirt. He's like, hanging out with your favorite man on earth. I was like, fuck you, dude. I'm so jealous. Dude, they, they rip. Uh, all right, so take me to when you started trying in comedy, Chappelle. Or what made you want to try it? I mean... Oh, uh, it's funny because like people always ask me this question. There, I was like, "Have you always wanted to do comedy?" And I'm like, "No, <laughs> like I never, I never like, like it wasn't like something that I was ever like never thought about it. I didn't even really understand stand up. Like the only two stand ups that I like really knew was uh, Dave Chappelle's uh, Killing Him Softly and Eddie Murphy's uh, Raw. Mm. So those only those only two that I knew." But it wasn't like in a sense of like, oh, this is great stuff. It was just stuff that I thought was funny. You didn't like delve didn't, into it so much. Or, no, no, yeah. no. I didn't, I didn't put the thought into it. It's also like, like when you're younger, like you listen to stuff, but you're like, oh, it's just everybody listens to it. Like, yeah. I grew up, my dad like raised me on George Carlin, but I also loved Dave Attell. But I never thought like, oh, that's something I would totally love to do. It's like, no, that's just something that's right. like a, an a entertainment outlet. That's yeah, something exactly. that people yeah. that's, do. Yeah. So that's what I thought of it. And then uh, my buddy... Uh, would play these um, acoustic nights at this bar, um, this little bar in Louisville. And, uh, you know, we would all go there and watch him, and uh, we, we would get drunk and stuff. And then uh, one time he was like, hey, Chappelle, get up here, you know. And I was like, okay, cool. And I just get up there, and he just wanted me to be up there, and then he just gives me the microphone, and then I just started talking. And I, I was just telling, like, random dumb stories of myself. And then um, people were, like, laughing about it. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Get off the stage or whatever. And then, like, a couple days later, a lot of my friends were like, man, do you ever think about doing stand-up? And I go, no. Nah. Uh -huh. <laughs> they're like, they like, you should try it. And I was like, okay. 
And then so I thought about it, and I was like, okay. So I you know, studied it for like two months because I had no clue. I, I just didn't understand it. Right. You know what I mean? And so I would, I would just watch it. I would just watch it, watch it, watch it. I go okay, you know. Well, so both you guys strike me as the opposite of what a normal stand-up comedian is. A normal stand-up comedian is somebody that probably hasn't really performed, thinks these jokes are funny, and goes about it where they get on stage and they think their jokes are funny, but they don't know how to actually be in front of people and be comfortable. Yeah, we're both like, no, we didn't think about being stand-up comics. We're just comfortable doing all the tools well, that's that a, you need to be a comic. That's what that drew me to Chappelle. Probably was it. Three or four years ago, uh, he came in one time when I was running a mic at Copper Blues next to Stand Up Live and watched him do a set. I was like, man, I really like this guy. Not because, oh, this guy's still this. He had the most hangout attitude, just totally kind of we jive about music and stuff when we were hanging out. And I was like, I just like him because he's not not coming in and being like, when am I up? When am I up? When am I this? I need this. Oh, man, this crowd's looking a little light. This crowd's looking a little light. Oh, man, you got people coming here? Oh, can I go a little bit later just because I'm waiting? He would just be like, hey, yeah, I'll do time. Easy to work with. And that's why I liked him a lot. And I feel like that was also me and your things is like, we're like kind of really super humble people. Yeah. Like we don't like I would sit here and brag more. He'd like this one time, how are you not on a podcast and be like, Yeah, I do shows with Frank Caliendo all the time. <laughs> like how, if I was that dude, I'd be like, Do you know what I did this past weekend? I hung out with the dude from Mad TV the whole fucking <laughs> from NFL. You know that you know the NFL guy? Yeah, 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 I hung out with that dude all weekend. I yeah. think I think the humility is almost something that you need first to find success in a city like Phoenix though. Um, because you I shouldn't go off on that tip because I don't know where I was going with that. But it's also, and that's the thing too, is like we come from like that music background, same with you. Yeah. Is sometimes you just want to do shows with your friends. Right. You want to, pl- you want to go on tour with your friend's band. Right. Like, oh, I want to go on this tour. Not because their music sounds exactly like us or they can sell more tickets. No, because I can hang out with them for the yeah, entire yeah, like yeah, tour. Friends, you know? We could jive and go it's like go to bitches and stuff. Yeah. Well, that's what's so, someone that's never done stand-up comedy, when you think about it, I got to write this one line joke that's so funny. And I was thinking about this, Michael Turner's joke where he says, uh, the thing about living in Arizona is we have a sheriff who thinks he's the sheriff. I've heard that joke three times, and each time I've laughed because of just how he says it. Yep. Yeah. And it's yep. not even that fucking funny. Three, <laughs> yeah. three times I laugh out yeah. loud. And I'm like, that's a great... It's, you think it's about the joke. It's about the fact he gets up there, he's not in a hurry to say it. Yeah, yeah. it's the timing of things. And yeah. even as a front man, and I don't know if you'll relate to this, when I first started being a front man, it was like the first show I did, the band was sort of like the Blood Brothers, real spazzy. Oh, I mean, I was on the band. ground. I was all over the place. I almost it was got, like, quick side note, I almost got sued by uh, the representation of the Blood Brothers because we were trying to get them to come to Flagstaff and they begged us for this much money and we couldn't have a local on it. So we hmm. said no. And they're like, we're going to sue you for this money. It's like, we didn't sign a contract though we're taking you to court i was like we just sent you an offer you recounted with a higher offer so we said no yeah. <laughs> that is anyway weird. finish <laughs> so well, you're just, just, band. just saying because I, I sing for bands till i was like 23 24 and it ended with a band called royals which is like sort of converge style uh, and then still. i moved out here to arizona and i thought it'd be easy to get in a band but what you don't under what i failed to recognize is that no one really cares that you used to sing for a band and i know you'll probably relate to this oh, yeah. if you're a drummer yeah well let's get a tryout if you're a guitar player a bassist but like to ask a group of guys like hey can i front your band you know be the thing that most That's people a, yeah. look See, at. yeah and you gotta treat my voice my lyrics so i thought it would just click and i'd get in a band and it, it didn't really happen actually for like seven years to where i was like well that's over i guess i'll start a podcast <laughs> after i started the podcast i got asked to try out for spoiled and it was different taking all that time off because you think like 
you realize the same energy is there, but now my objective is different. Whereas before, I hid behind the chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do whatever you want. Don't think. And now it's more like, slow down. I can still do things physically, but I want to connect with people. Yeah. Which, go, connecting that to comedy... It's yeah. the same thing. It may not be the craziest joke or the craziest performance, but there has to be a bit of ease to it. Yeah, you got to make the the crowd feel comfortable. Which yeah. that, that, that sounds you, like you what just, y'all both yeah. just did. And like, like my thing is like I don't know. Like I like to give the crowd uh, a good feeling of like <clears throat> of like who I really am. And I feel like if I get them to like understand who I am. They'll understand what I'm, you know, speaking out, and I and I saw and like so I'm a big Henry Rollins geek, like, like big Rollins geek. wearing a badass Henry Rollins yeah, shirt. Yeah, right exactly. Now. You know what I mean. And so who gets a tattoo get, of their own band? <laughs> <laughs> Henry, uh, and that's that's what like uh, I I understood with him. You know what I mean? Like he got people to really like even when he was in Black Flag. You know, he really got the people to get a good feel of who the hell he was. And then when he went Rollins band, like, you still get a good feeling. And, you know, with all his spoken word, like, it was just like, oh, man, that just makes so much sense. See, you know that's, what I mean? that's where it's a little weird for me because being in a band, I, I'm not, I don't really consider myself a musician, although I can get down. But whenever true musicians sort of start to get together and geek out, yeah. my head's over here. I'd rather talk to the comics. I'd rather talk to fucking drag queens, to be honest, because yeah, I actually, I relate way more yeah. to that than what they do on stage than what a dude does when he writes a riff. Yeah. So, dude, when I get with gearheads and they're like, so I got this thing and this, this, and I'm just like, you are speaking in Russian right now. Exactly. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing is like there's a certain brotherhood to to being a yeah. front man or a comic or something. Even Connor Woods from Blues. I didn't see that dude for seven years. We used to play shows together. And the first spoiled show, Non Perel played right after us. Mm-hmm. And we kind of looked at each other after we were done performing. Like, where do I know you from? Like, oh, we used to do shows seven years ago. And we both are still fucking doing it. We're still rolling around <laughs> yeah. on the ground. That's and cool. like, so, but... Yeah, to be a frontman or a comic, I think you're right. You have to let people sort of get to know you, and it can be a tough balance because when you put art out there, most people think it's got to be cool. It's got to be a, this cool image. The real, the reality is, I can't try to be cool. I just have to be authentic and yeah, authentically. If you, if you, and, and that's one thing I've always learned. Like, if, if I just speak what the hell like I am and what I like, what I am about and stuff like that, like. That's genuine in itself, right? That's you know what, what I mean. People are gonna like, people are gonna understand that. I feel like me and you, we're not the people that go in and we write like, oh, I gotta write this joke. I gotta write. like, we're not people that sit pen and paper. We have a life experience. We're like, okay, yes. how do I twist this around to make that funny? Yeah, yeah we'll that, embellish some parts of the story. And that's like, the thing yeah. about like you know you know yeah. my style. Like it's it's all life experiences, yeah, right. and 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 I'm one of those people like where, where I love to travel. I love to see different cultures and stuff like that, and. And that's how I'm able to speak about things. You know what I mean? That's why I'm, why I'm always able to tell something new. And it's not too crazy for me to, you know, write something new. So I saw a guy the other day, Jimmy Carr, I think is his name. Yeah. And he has yeah, yeah, one-liners. Yeah. Jimmy Carr, don't like this. So yeah. he, but in watching that, I was like, wow, this guy actually is doing one-liners that are funny jokes. Comics I listen to aren't really telling jokes anymore. It's all life experience. And my favorite bands, they're not really... My problem is now is I've seen a lot of comics that aren't telling jokes. They're just going like, you guys, I'm such a piece of shit. It's like, we get it. All of us are stopped right. saying that exactly. on stage. Yeah, I hate Do something that. relatable. My, I point, hate my that. point, I guess, is this. is like 
in in are you really gonna write a joke that's a context that no one else has hit? And as a band, are you really gonna write a punk rock riff that's never been written, or should we just try to go with doing it your own style? That's like you walk um, walking into your band, and be like, "Hey guys, how about we try not to write in four four time?" They're like, "You're crazy." So what? So what? The way I think of things is like, I take what what I'll, I'll do it in a band sense. You, you take something like as far as like what Black Flag did, right? Black Flag did that. That inspired you to, you know, start to play and stuff like that. Right. Use what they did to make what, you know, what created their sound to create your own. Right. Use, like, pull that inspiration. I don't think you should necessarily, you know what I mean? Because, like, there, there's a lot of bands that, you know, like Queens of the Stone Age, uh, Josh Homme, you know, he, he, he loves GBH, his band sounds nothing right. like GBH, but he got a lot of his inspiration to create a lot of his, you know, guitar riffs from the guitarists from GBH. You know what I mean? Like it's it's completely different bands, but he used, you know, you don't want to rip that. rip off anything, but at the same time, you can't. Like okay, I sing for a pretty straightforward punk rock and roll band. If I watch Henry Rollins or Iggy, the way they move their bodies on stage. Yeah. So if I say, well, I don't want to rip them off. How the hell am I going to move my body in a way that doesn't resemble what they're doing? <laughs> yeah. It's something you've watched for so long. You're just or, or is that the way humans that are the, our type of person naturally move to that kind of music? The fact that I saw them on TV, I didn't go and like learn the moves. You just see it like that dude's but like what me. I, but what I think is you can always tell when someone's like, word for word trying to do yes. what they're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, here's a, uh, Songs for the Deaf, uh, Queens of the Stone Age. That's like one of my favorite albums. But I can hear, because he also, you know, inspired from Black Flag, I can hear certain things like Black, like Black Flag in that album. Hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, but I know he genuinely is trying to do his own thing. Right. Well, that's also the thing, like, nobody ever, like, remembers this, but with Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses, every, like, every chick, he's like the best front man in the way he moves and the way he sways. I'm like, that's all Davy Jones from the Monkees. Mm. Like, he thought that he was such a cool front man and he would watch videos of Davy Jones all the time when like, he was younger and he was like, oh, I'm going to do what that guy does on stage, but it's just louder, harder music. And right. I was like, oh, man, he's so original as a front man. I was like, no, that was the little guy that used to ride horses that right. the Monkees. <laughs> that's that dude's Yeah, like, moves. that's what I'm saying. Like, you can genuinely, like, tell when someone's like, Oh, they're they're trying too hard to be, like you know, Trent Reznor or someone you know whoever you know. They're, they're really they, with us telling like original stories and jokes like that. There's like there's a few comics out there like not even just in Phoenix but all around touring. It's like okay, like we get it. You've watched a lot of Louis DVDs. You watched a lot of Marin DVDs. You love Dave Attell or you liked you know Anthony Jeselnik or you like Daniel Tosh so much. Why are you not only mimicking? The voice you're mimicking, the yeah. writing style, uh, like so. Here's and like, none of the writing style has yeah. anything to do with your actual life that's going on. There we goes. And and, and so my, my favorite comic is Bill Burr. Yeah. Nothing about my <laughs> style of comedy is Bill Burr at all. But I love. I've never everything. seen someone like fuck this, fuck you, fuck you guys. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. And like, like, I love everything that that he does. And like, I get inspired by Bill Burr so much. Yeah. But I'm not doing Bill Burr on stage. Right. That's like probably like my biggest inspiration 
in comedy is Bill yeah. Burr. My favorites, Stanhope number one. Yeah. David Tell number two. Burt Kreischer number three. Nothing I, nothing I do on stage is like that. Maybe some of my stories is kind of like how Burt tells stories, but I don't have the same mannerism, same tone. Dave Attell, I don't say boogly after everything that I say. <laughs> and with stand up, I'm like, I can't get that dark. I'm like, I won't even say some of those words on stage. Yeah. I'm new. I'll get booed the fuck off. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Stand up is my favorite, and then Burr's second. Not just for comedy, but even in the way that he, um, the way that he like runs his podcast. That's been a huge thing where I'm trying to influence where it's not. Don't go off on a tangent here, but you just got to do more drugs on your podcast. No, oh, I'm Christ. <laughs> I, I just like the way that he does things in general. Living in Bisbee, um, and, and I went to that Super Bowl party. Oh, oh yeah, dude, it was weird. <laughs> like, How long ago it, was it? This past Super Bowl, we were just down there, and our Airbnb guests that so we always stay down there. Me and my girlfriend, they're like, "Yeah, we'll take you." And then they got there, like, "Oh, we can't bring you." So another comic was in town from Tucson. He's like, "Oh, I'll just ask Doug if you can come." So we came out, and I saw Mishka there because I had just seen him recently after like Bird City and stuff. And he was like, "Oh, hey, what's up?" Just hang out with him and. Um, I think Jeff Tate was there. Dude. And then I can't remember who else. But yeah, it was just a hangout. And I wasn't there to like schmooze or whatever. I just came to hang out with my buddy, Ali Musa, and hang out at the house and be like, cool, I was here. We didn't bother. And the only thing I did at the end of the night, like, uh, I was just like, hey, dude, can we get a picture before we bounce? He's like, yeah. He's like, let's do Candace and stuff. He's like, oh, you're friends with Ali, you're a comic in Phoenix. He's like, you're welcome back here anytime. I was like, well, you're also drunk, so I'm not going to hold that <laughs> to fruition. Yeah. I was like, but. I'd like to. I'd like, I'd like to come down and just hang out with you guys down yeah. here. Well, but the point, so tying it back in, as far as like when you can tell someone's trying. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. I don't want to say rip off. The thing with me, and I th- think you guys would both agree for yourself, is that I love my influences, but ultimately, I don't want to be them. Yeah. There's only yeah, one Jesse doing, Upshaw. Yeah, they're yeah. already doing what, yes. what is there. Yes. You know, and, I, and, and, and those, those words came from Tom Morello. Like, think about it. Rage Against the Machine is its own band. You yeah. know what I mean? But they are inspired by so, you know, so many different bands, mm-hmm. you know? Like, Tom Morello looks up to, like, Kiss, you know? <laughs> Their guitar work and stuff like that. His guitar work is <laughs> completely different well, and, yeah, of his, Kiss. <laughs> a lot of his guitar work is completely different than everybody. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and, and, uh, But see, that's... that's a, some of that Rage Against the Machine, you'd break it down, simple beats, simple bass line, not a crazy yeah. riff, and yet when you put it on in five seconds, Rage Against the Machine, yeah. mm-hmm. the whole album, just that tone. I always, I always tell people this, I go, if Rage Against the Machine made another album, like, re, you know, in recent time, it'd still be good. Yeah. Tones, like, but also Tone's a signature. Like, if you were to put on just a solo guitar album, just from the tone line, I'd be like, that's Eric Johnson. That's Yngwie Malmsteen. Yeah. That's Steve Vai. Right. You know, that's this. That's the guy from Dillinger Escape Plan. And just because you can know by what style they have, it's like a signature. Like and Jack like, White. You yeah. Can t- you can point out Jack White, like, anywhere. Well, that's, I think that's a good thing when you get to where if you couldn't put your finger on what makes the black, ah, that's a bad example. Some of, some of artists that aren't crazy or reinventing in the wheel, yeah. it's like you can't put your finger on what makes them them. You just yeah. don't confuse them with anybody else. Like the Queens of the Stone Age, you hear that Black Flag influence, but you would never play a Queen song, Black Flag, be like, which one was which? Yeah. You'd always know yeah, which always, one is you're which. You're always going to know. Right. And always going to know. A lot of that, I guess, is tonally, too, how they were recorded or whatever. But you can hear those influences in there, but it's this song, I wouldn't confuse this song with anything else. Exactly. Yeah. And, that's, and that's the thing. And, that, and that's why, and that's what you know, drives me to stay creative is 
you know, taking what my, you know, the people like I'm influenced by and what they did and making it Chappelle Lacey. Right. You know That's what I mean? Like I, I, like I pull from not only comedians, you know, for my comedy, but I also pull from just punk rock experiences and, and stuff like that to help me. You know, well, don't you also have to pull from the shit that makes you so fucking mad that there's nothing else to do but then to turn it over and try to laugh at it? Yeah. That's why, like, Stan Hope, is he's not trying to, like, I don't know. It's all the freeway. Hey, yeah. I helped my mom commit suicide. Yeah. Here's a couple of jokes laced yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. damn, that's that's good. Yeah. But that's a, that there's two things I want to say from that like topic we were just on. One is finding style through other people that you're inspired by. Yeah. Mine was when I was in bands. My two favorite vocalists that were frontmen that I tried to act like inspire or like not mimic but got my like stage presence from was uh, Dennis Linkson from Refuse and International Noise Conspiracy and Jacob Bannon from Converge. Yeah, like those two dudes. Uh, are like I want to be that guy I have on stage. A very odd story. So, uh, it was his name Dennis. Dennis Linkson. Yeah. So I'm friends with his brother. I've never him and his Fuck brother. I've never. Off! Him and his, yeah, him and his brother, like me and his brother, have never like officially met. But his brother played in this hardcore Swedish uh, punk rock band called DS Thirteen. I have it tattooed right here, and like it's all like. My, Wait, you have tattoos? I couldn't see them. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why I have tattoos. But I stopped at the right point because I was like, "Hey, uh, this doesn't make sense." <laughs> so, but like, it's like one of my favorite bands ever, and like I've always I followed, you know. Demon System 13's like uh, you know full on career. What I was talking about earlier about humble. Oh yeah, I go into a Frank Caliendo. Yeah. Oh, I know Dennis Linkson's brother. Never heard that story until just now. <laughs> Known this guy for like five fucking years. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, I've always followed this band, and I found them like back on when uh, when I could really find them was when MySpace happened. Yeah. And I like searched them with their top was, tens of other bands. Yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah, like, this yeah, is top yeah. 10 so band. like I've I've I found. Uh, Dennis's brother, his name's uh, Jonas, mm-hmm. and so like him and I have always like you know just been like internet pals. Wait, and, isn't like, Jonas always... on the Refused DVD? Is he? That I don't Refused know. Refused our fucking it. dead I DVD. I don't know. It's such, a, it's such a Swedish art film like type DVD. Yeah. Did you like it? I loved it a lot. So so uh, I've always like followed and like you know I've always known of Refused and stuff like that, yeah. but did not put two and two together until like years later because I never got into Refused because I was just so like. You know, the, dude. Other than there on Epitaph, the, I was like, you know, "What is this?" Stuff this like is that. You were into that almost dry, not a lot of fluff, not a lot of like. Yeah, straight to the point. DB, whatever. Like that stuff. Like that's you know that's what I was into, and it, and and so I never I never put that together, and then uh, he was like, "Yeah, my brother's band's getting back together," and I was just like. Is that refused? <laughs> well, plus, they they were sort of at a weird time where they 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 were the shape of punk to come, and then I'm that album tr- came out 15 years too early. Well, it's not just that <laughs> it, they broke up right before the way music gets out sort of changed, where it went yeah. from then MySpace to then your Bandcamp, and now it's just at a completely different level, which is probably yeah. why now they're like, wait, music's different. People are still into this. Yeah. We can actually tour. We however many years labels. later, yeah. 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 Exactly. And I almost think like, man. I, you know, There's they, a lot of people that aren't on labels that are doing like, you know, full on tours and you know putting out their records and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And and I think and I think that stems from a lot of like DIY. You know, yeah. if you really understand DIY, and, that, and I and I think that comes from like the '80s hard hardcore punk. You know, because mm-hmm. 
they they knew no no record label was going to pick up right minor threat or yeah. bad brains you know you know, well, Dead death Kennedy's. is the famous, the famous story, oh, just dude. because of the name. I got, yeah. to meet, I got to meet those dudes. Did you? Because uh, they played, they the, played press the press room. room. Yeah. And I Years saw ago. and I had just watched the documentary, because I'm a big Kevin Smith, Scott Mosier fan. And when I found out he did a documentary, and he talked about it on one of Kevin Smith's podcasts, I'm like, wait, what is this? That's like the so sickest music story. documentary, too. Yeah. And then like I hear the album, I'm like, how I'm upset that I lived in Ohio and never even heard a track of this or heard about this band. Right. Like, I felt like I was cheated or something. Well, that's how yeah. everybody, that's the whole point of it. Yeah. But going back to what you were saying and everything's going DIY is, why not, though, too? Why not? I'm kind of a control freak. And when you, sometimes you think, like, well, if I want to get my, if I, if I want to extend my reach, I got to get a level or I got to get a boss. Yeah. But like kind of you were saying earlier, Baez, is like, I just learned how to do it all myself. And, and here's yeah. the thing. And like, I feel like our Phoenix comedy scene does that like yeah. it's totally that like we you know if we know we can't get into a certain place what are we going to do we if we know we need you know we're trying to do shows throughout the week you know because like most shows happen on the weekends then right. what are we going to do we're going to produce our own shows you exactly. know we're gonna, you know build our like, own look, stuff started know? looking at it like the shows that i was doing and i think i kind of stepped on a bad foot when i started doing clubs because um Crescent Ballroom uh, started having comedians there because a lot of comics like, why do I have to spend a weekend at a club at a shitty co- right. condo? I can just come in for one night, make the same amount of money I would have made. Uh, this is Stanhope's philosophy. This is what yeah, he, just that, do it yourself. Yes, and so I had a club approach me and asked me to help them out to set that up. So I found a bunch of venues. I was like, here, do this, this. No one got back to me, so I said, fuck it, and they started working at Valley Bar, and I was like. Well, I got the job here. I want to do a show here. And then that's how me and Anwar got to meet. I guess someone brought up to him to do a show there. He brought me on because I had been running shows for a while. And we did it together. And then after that, the club that I had been talking to, like I was a ghost. I'd go there. They wouldn't say anything to me. And I was like, look, I tried to help you guys. You never returned any of my calls or my emails. So I guess that's it. I was like, but I'm going to do this by myself like I made that post the other day I was like if there's not something you want if there's nothing you like around town then make it yourself right. and you'll see how many people come you'll out of the see, woodwork you'll see a big difference exactly. and, yeah. it, and it's been and it's uh, been really cool cause like I I personally took a 10 month break cause I had a brother pass mm-hmm. and so I took like a long break from comedy and then uh, one of my buddies was just you know just got me back in it without even like be like hey man you should get back in it he just like Hey, I'm putting you on. You're going up, you know. And so after ten, and then I got, I had like a ten month break. So I was just like, all right, shit, here we go. <laughs> and I went up there, and you know, I missed it. And you know, so I'm like, you know, the past like six months, I've like, you know, freshly got back into the scene, and it's just cool seeing all the stuff that's being, you know, produced out. Because I feel like Phoenix has a really, really good comedy scene. My only qualm you know with I mean? our comedy scene is I can't make. The people I like work harder. And my thing is, I want to be able to do a tour. Like, I want to have Chappelle on for 20 minutes. I want to see Chappelle do a half hour. I want to see Paul Icacias headline an entire weekend. I want this. But I can't make those people work harder. And so it's just like, hey, can you guys please do this so I can finally get a show together where, like, you guys do a full-hour weekend or you guys do this or we put a tour together, we can all go, we all collect money and just be buddies on the road and stuff. It's like... I can't control how like people's work ethic or whatever they do is. I just have to wait and be like, okay, when you guys are ready, I have the whole plan set together. Just let me know when you're set and we can all go do Get this. Get in the van, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> but that, I mean, that can also, 
you, you from your end, you might be waiting for it to happen a little faster. But on the other hand, they're like, well, we wouldn't be doing it. Not sometimes maybe by the fact that the offer is on the table is getting that progress or whatever, yeah. however fast it's going. Like I mentioned earlier, I don't know if it's just because over the last two years and having 80 or 90 people come to my house and podcast, if I'm just paying attention more, mm-hmm. but it definitely seems like something really exciting is happening in the comedy scene. It's, it's picking up a lot, and uh, I want to say it is due to the fact, because before this, it was just, I think it was Tempe Improv, Comedy Spot, yes. and Sam Scottsdale. Stand up, excuse me. Oh, I burped on Mike. I didn't want to do that. Stand up Scottsdale's been around six or seven years now. I think so. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So I mean, like, I've been doing it for five years, so it wasn't around that much longer. And I feel like when Stand Up Live in downtown Phoenix started picking up, and then it got more creative, like the art community, a lot more things are happening, and a lot more people, like fam- like popular comics in LA, have been coming to Phoenix. And this is what I kind of my own personal opinion, and I think a couple of people backed me up on this is they're doing a lot of big stuff in L.A. So anytime they do a show out there, people are laughing at everything they say because they're kind of kissing ass. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, we just want to... Yeah, it was great. So they've been coming to Phoenix more because it's a more honest response. Like, if they're not that popular, people in Phoenix are like, oh, this guy was just super funny. I don't know who the hell that person was. Well, it's not only that, but, like, when you walk into Valley Bar and it's packed out with people, yeah. does it matter if you're in San Francisco, L.A.? Does it really matter what mm-hmm. city you're in at that point? Because right then and there, that's great stand-up comedy. The room is mm-hmm. perfect for it. Yeah. It's great size. So why wouldn't you want to come here? And it's the same even with, like, Uncle Acid. People are like, oh, they haven't been here in five years, or they've never been here, whatever it yeah. is. Well, why wouldn't they come back now? Look at Phoenix had a great response. They played a quality venue. There was no problems yeah. at the show. No problems. Yeah. All the bands looked like they were having a great time. So it excites me when you start to see those national acts roll through. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm just really excited to be here right now doing what I'm doing. And then I keep meeting people, and it just seems like everybody's kind of still connecting with each other. Yeah. My one thing I want to do. Like for the announcement here is like I was talking to you guys about like if, if there's nothing if there's nothing that you like you have to make it yourself and mm-hmm. the one thing I'm doing and I tried to push it and I'm venue shopping for it right now but I have this show and I got reached out by a Phoenix New Times because they do every year before Best of they reach out to a hundred different people in the valley called the hundred new create or the hundred Phoenix hundred creatives and they pick a hundred people and they do a whole bio set to them. And I want to get this locked down by Wednesday before I send like all my paperwork because they hit me up. So I'm going to send all this stuff back to them. And I want to use that to launch this show. I just haven't found the venue. And I'm doing a show because that Uncle Acid show like sparked something in like my head. I was like, okay, there's still like a metal hangout community. There's still a loud rock community. This show's on a Monday night and people are still right. drinking at one in the morning. My thing is I wanted to do this show for probably the past like maybe a little under a year. It was a show called Hesh Sesh. And what it wanted to be was uh, three to four stand-up comedians and out-of-town like headliner. But in between comedians, I'd have burlesque dancers because I used to host a burlesque show at Endgame in Tempe. Have burlesque dancers in between. And then after the show's over, I would have one or two DJs do nothing but Sabbath, The Sword, Sleep, uh, that type of music for the rest of the night and just have a droney kind of hangout metal night. Well, remember, remember Bikini Lounge? They used to, uh, I think it was like Monday nights. They used to have like a they used to have, well, metal night. Was yeah. It, was they it? used oh. to have like the DJ that would play like a lot of like Sabbath Misfits and stuff like that. Dude with long hair. Yeah. I can't remember his Alex. name. Alex. Was that his name? I can't yeah. remember. Taller guy? Maybe. Because oh, he was in like this punk rock band from like back in the day. Yeah. But I remember when they'd have those nights. But I like... 
there was nothing where it was like a show and then an after party. Like like how uh, when I did literally the worst show ever, we started having that new wave thing. So people would hang out after the show to stay for the new wave party, and people would show up to new wave. But the thing was, the new wave thing belonged to the venue. That wasn't right, right, something right. your onward thought of. So this is going to be like okay, now I'm going to have a show for an hour and a half to two hours, to now I'm going to have a night once a month or bi-monthly to where this night's my night, I'm going to do the show, get this, get this, get this, get sponsors. I have already have a person that's, excuse me, backing me, and he's sponsoring me for $800 up front to buy banners, anything I need, uh, any type of stage setup I want to do, or to just pay out some people up front ahead of time so they'll just show up and already have the yeah. money in their bank account. Well, that's... That's why I, how I got to know Anwar is I reached out and asked him if I get a band and I set up the PA at Palo Verde, will you bring comics? And it wasn't as it wasn't as extravagant as what you're talking. Uh, Palo Verde, it's that dive bar on Broadway. Oh, I don't think I've seen it. So we did two of them where I I got the band, I got the whole thing set up, and then he just brought the comics because I was like, I'm the same as you. Even that show that was so great about Uncle Acid, it was only three bands. It wasn't four or five like. I don't need to see four hours of grindcore or four yeah. hours yeah. of doom metal. Yeah. I, I, I kind of like literally the worst show ever because right when you're about like, you know, I could take off, kind of wraps up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, that was cool. An hour and a half, two hours, wrapped it all up. Like, As I said, a, a comedy show should never go past, it never should never go past two hours, but two hours is the most it should ever right. be. It yeah. should always be an hour and a half. Always. I mean, but think about it. Gigi Allen. Gigi yeah. Allen got kicked off stage within like <laughs> ten minutes. I'm a big Gigi Allen fan. Too. Are you? Yeah. I just like eating hot dogs out of buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hold on. Let's take a quick break because I got to use the restroom, and yeah. then uh, we'll yeah, come sure. back. We'll wrap it up. Let's pause this. Yeah, no worries. All right, we're back. Just took a little break. Yeah, back from break. Yeah. That's one thing, too, I love. Like, when you listen to, like, Stan Hope's podcast, like, let's take a break, you guys. And then they go on for 15 minutes. We should take another break, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can tell the more he drinks, too. He starts smoking more and more. I guess let's talk about, sort of wrap up. We'll talk about moving forward. Um, I don't know when this episode's going to be out, but if it's out before September 10th, Spoiled Plays Valley Bar, it'll be with Goya, Woundvac, and Dead Canyon, which... What day is that? That's Saturday. September 10th, Saturday. Yeah, that's, that's I, I remember seeing the, the Valley um, Bar event for it, and I was like, yeah. I want to go, but that's the night I'm going to DFL at Yucca Tap Room. Oh, shit. I thought, okay, I remember there was it a was the day after. Uh, Literally the worst show ever. Yeah. Yep. So that full weekend will be all that. That's this weekend. This weekend's going to be dope. Yeah. This, so this uh, Wednesday, um, if anyone is like, like that's listening to this, um, I'm like, Helping out with this show called Court Ordered. It's a cartoon that uh, my buddy Eric Freeman and his buddy Tony created. Uh, and he used to live out here. Eric Freeman used to work at the Marquee Theater and ran this like online cartoon thing called Tomorrow's Nobodies. It was a big thing when I was in college. Like I remember seeing it when I was in college. And then wound up meeting Eric randomly at one of my open mics. And I was just like, oh, you used to work? I was like, I used to read that all the time. And then found out he was like the tour manager for Sublime with Rome. And I was like, what? And you used to work at the marquee? And like, that's insane. He like knew all my friends. He's again working on this cartoon. And uh, so they're doing the cartoon premiere on Wednesday at Tempe Improv on September 7th, I think it is. And then so Wednesday's that show. Then Friday's literally the worst show ever at Valley Bar. And then your show's going to be on the 10th. With that DLP? Yeah, so September's packed. It's, yeah. it's not going to stop This either. next three said, months are going to be yeah, huge. This month is like real busy for me. So. Well, oh, and just, then Russian Circles is on Monday, which I'm stoked for. 
Well, it's cool too. I'm really excited to see Valley Bar branching off to some heavier bands because dude, I went and saw Sumac and it was so good. Does Crescent really do that? Because I've only only hardcore band I've seen there was um, uh, the lead singer of Circle Jerks has a band called Off. Yeah, and that was like the like. No, I went and saw Baroness uh, last week. Yo, yeah, you're played. right. And I forgot. I saw the Melvins there. Yep. Well, right. but but you are right because I know Gay Kiss has played there. That might have been when they opened for off. Yep. But yep. the fact of it is, is Baroness isn't uh, intense grind or something. Yeah. It's not cult leader Gaza or something like that. I think. Did you say Gaza? Yeah. I'm friends with John, the lead singer. Yeah. I used to hang out with him. I actually brought uh, a copy of my uh, Christopher Hitchens book, God Is Not Great. And I was like, hey, man. I was like, I just want to give this to you. He goes, oh, I have two copies of yeah. that book. And I was like, I bet you would, dude. <laughs> but it's cool that they're trying to do more of the heavier stuff. Because I think Woundvac will be the first grind band to play at Valley Bar. Mm, but it's, yeah. it's exciting that it's working out well. Because what they do is it's called Systems Overload. And so it's free. You know, mm. they pay a flat. You guys know how it works. Yeah. But it's cool because they did it with Takeover and Destroy. Did you go to that one? Mm. No. I, uh, the times I've seen them has been at Crescent. All right. Oh, that's right. They did their album release at Crescent, mm-hmm. too. With uh, Source. Uh, Gay Creeper, which I like them. But there's oh. also, too, when you look at who are the, the bookers of the show, because, like, Stateside. Yeah, no, Source was there, yeah. Yeah. Stateside uh, does a lot of the sh- Like, they're basically, you know, the guy that owns Crescent Ballroom and Valley Bar. You'll see a lot of Stateside shows there. Uh, a lot of the metal shows, I want to say a majority of them come from Steve Chill and Psycho Steve, right. who owns the Rebel Lounge now. Um, if he needs other venues, if there's something at Rebel Lounge, he'll put it somewhere else. And that's when I saw they were doing comedy at Crescent Bar, and I was like, well, I'm booking stuff, so why don't we do it at Valley Bar? Oh, I have like contacts with these people. Why don't we do it here? And then I started running a comedy show at Rebel Lounge that I only did, I think I did two of them. It didn't really take off because it was a... It was basically a riff on that uh, app, Tinder. And what I was doing oh, was, yeah, it was called Swipe Right for Awesomeness. And I'd have three uh, comics on. And then they'd sit down and be like a panel like at midnight. And I'd project their Tinder profiles. And we just roast it. And then I'd have audience members come in. And they'd you know, volunteer, give me their phones. I'd project their Tinder accounts. Um, it didn't really work too well because the app's popularity kind of died out this past right. year. Um, so I was like, oh, I want to try something different. So that's why I was like kind of going to venues like you guys have this open space and you are having band stuff i was like but i know you don't have contacts or know a lot of comedy contacts um why don't you let me do a show here i'll make sure the room's packed i'll just take uh 80 of the door so i can give it to the comics to pay out and pay myself back for like whatever promotion stuff i did and then you guys get 20 percent of the door you keep the booze it's better than just having an empty venue for that night or, you know, having a band that only brought 20 people in. Right. Or having a local show that, like, brought all their friends, but then after, like, you know, an hour, it's done. And so it's just, like, kind of like having venue owners look at the room and be like, well, I have a room for bands, but I also have an empty room. Like, what am I going to do on days I can't book a band? Comedy seems to be booming in Phoenix. Let's throw some there. And, like, I, like that's why I want to do that Hesh Sess show to where it's right. like, uh, The thing that me and Anwar worked with when I was on Literally the Worst Show Ever is that we wanted to push it so hard ourselves and work the hardest to where now the venue can't be like, oh, you know, you guys are a local show. We can't give you a date. You're right. We want to push artists to sell the show. They're like, oh, wait, we have an open date. Like, let's, these guys want that date? Put it on because I know they're going to sell that room out because they work their hardest and now they're making the show popular. Well, and that's stuff. what I'm saying about Valley Bar. When they tried the systems overload with Toad, that one went well. And then we did it. That's how the spoiled EP release was. Mm-hmm. And I'm just excited that they're trying it again and like, 
cranking it. They're like, oh, okay, we'll go a little heavier. Let's do some Goya, throw Woundvac. Do you like Woundvac? I don't think I've ever really gotten a Woundvac. Are you into grind still? Uh, and not as much. Dude, the last grind I mean, fan I loved was Worm Rot. That was the flash. Is that, that I was like, this is, is that amazing. The, is that the video you posted the other day? Yeah, from uh, Earache Records. It says, make Earache r- grind again. You, uh, and I saw that panel. I was like, what is that, this? It's amazing. You did post that. Yeah. Because I commented on it. Yeah. yeah. I, I listened to it, and then today I was at work, and I was like, what was that fucking band he posted? Because I was in the mood what for What was grind. it? Worm Rot. All right, I'm going to check them out. Yeah. So I can't that listen to good. it yeah. so much over the headphones anymore, but live I enjoy seeing it. Yeah. And I like the ADD factor of it. Like, mm-hmm. 20 go, minutes were done. When I go into a band and, like, some opening band I don't know. So, like, when I went and saw... I didn't hear about the shrine. My old guitar player told me, he's like, you got to watch them. They rip. And I was like, I'll check it out. And I stood, I haven't stood in front of a stage in so long. I'm the guy with his arms crossed in the back. Like, all right, when's my band coming up? Yeah. I stood in front of the stage just smiling ear to ear. Like, what is this? These guys are dope. This band makes me want to skateboard again. Right. <laughs> well, the thing that was cool about those bands too, going back to your frontman or whatever, they were performers. They, yeah. they looked the part. They all got into it. They, they, and it wasn't cheesy. It was like, this is who these guys are. I went to someone because of the least thing in the shrine. I was like, man, it's good to see Frank Zappa's kids doing well, exactly. something. Exactly. I was like, is that really his kid? I was like, no, I was just joking. He looks just like Frank Zappa. And then <laughs> almost every other band that came on stage had a member that looked like for example <laughs> but it it's, goes back to like all right I'm, I'm on a rock and roll band but i don't look like any any previous rockers well then what are you gonna wear an orange jumpsuit even then i guess that's actually been used. witchcraft I, I remember seeing what that was like one of my favorite bands they're from sweden uh, you too can wear they're from norway uh, wait, Slipknot does that. i think they're from <laughs> norway before them and uh they played and i was like what is this band they sound so cool it sounds like uh, like a lot like early sabbath but not as fast I watch witchcraft, and I go watch the music videos. Everybody else looks like they're just in a regular metal, like or hardcore band, and the lead singer is in like a leisure suit with like this long hair. It looks like he was like even part of the disco era. I'm like, who the fuck is that? You know what band is badass? Uh, Graveyard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Holy! You just moly. heard of them? Yeah, more so recently. Which album? Um, I just, I just I saw someone, and this is what's cool about Facebook and like shows and stuff like that happening in Phoenix. Someone had uh, said it was attending to see Graveyard. I was like, huh, Graveyard. So I just went to YouTube to type their stuff, and I didn't go to albums or anything. And then I just, uh, you know, clicked whatever, and I was just like... Yeah, right? <laughs> it makes you happy again. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, this is why I was That's into what I'm this. And, like, and, like, I, and people, like, I hate when people say, like, oh, there's no, like, really good new music. I was like, well, then you're not looking. Right. Yeah, right. You're not looking. You're not paying attention because... It's out there. It's also right. weird. It's like when you're up or like, I say like, oh, you guys just listen to heavy stuff. It's like, no, one of my favorite local bands is Roar. Like, right. I love it. And I've known. Yeah, Owen I don't listen for, to just heavy stuff. Uh, yeah. Saves the day, state where you are. Yeah. That's like I mean, one of my, my favorite top albums. Is that the one with Freakish? Yeah. Yeah. I'm That's going, like to, I'm going to Coheed <laughs> on the 18th this month. And it's Coheed's tour, and I found out Saves the Day's opening. I was like, great, I get to see two of my favorite mm-hmm. bands. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, That's how most creative people that I'm around are, though. I mean, everybody can get down on some of that Sturgill Simpson, some country, yeah. some some heavier stuff. Like When people ask me, like, do you listen to country? I'm like, uh, I like Dwight Yoakam. And they're like, what else? I'm like... Dwight Yoakam yeah, yeah. stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't. I don't do the poppy yeah. country. You got to go arena back to country. The deep, deep rooted. I, I can still get down on some '90s country because I grew up with it. I'm just yeah, talking. Yeah. There are still like new Travis. folk or Brooks and Dunn. You yeah, both yeah. lived in Texas, so I'm pretty yeah. sure that yeah. was burned into your skulls. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's let's go moving forward here. Uh, yeah. We got Valley Bar September 10th for for us. What do you got, Bias? So me and Chappelle Lacey are doing this show with Joe Sib. 
He's the owner of Side One Dummy Records, which you said you were in a ska band. Uh, one of my favorite bands growing up was Suicide Machines. Yeah, and I remember I in like Warped Tour. O two or O three when I was in college, they put out a new album and they put it on this label, Side One Dummy Records. And I think Joe Sibb's old band from California, I want to say it was called Wax. I may be wrong, so if someone fact checks or you, if you can send emails to Jesse, <laughs> be like, that motherfucker got it wrong. <laughs> but um, I saw him open for Kyle Kinane uh, at Stand Up Live. And I, like, I heard his name, and I was like, why do I know that name? That name stands out so much, I don't get it. And then someone was like, hey, he owns a record label. So I typed it into Google. I was like, holy shit, this guy's side one dummy records. And so I spent the whole time just like hanging out next to him like, so you did this, and you had this band on there, and this. And I thought, at one point I thought it was bothering him, hmm. but he was like happy that someone knew like what like he used to do. And he was also one of the first people, or uh, his first uh, comedy album he released, I think, was... Um, uh, Eric Griffin Montez from Workaholics oh, yeah, yeah. He, I, and when I saw Eric Griffin he's like yeah I'm releasing a comedy album and he's like it's gonna be on side one dummy records I'm like the suicide machines like what like huh? it's a punk rock label that's insane and they also used to do um, uh, not plot to blow up the Eiffel Tower what was the band name um, what's uh, Jeff Rosenstock's last band he was in I don't even I don't even know who that is um, so Jeff Rosenstock was in a band it's gonna can you hand me my phone? Because I'm going to lose my mind if I don't remember this. Um, he was in this uh, band, and this comedian and his girlfriend that used to come hang out at our Copper Blues show, this guy Matt Kurz, we drive and hang out, talk about, like, oh, well, we know the same music. And he's like, oh, yeah, I used to be in this band. I was like, isn't that the band with Jeff Rosenstock? He's like, yeah, he's one of our really good friends. And, like, in all the Jeff Rosenstock videos, uh, my friend Erica has been in a couple of them. Matt was in the band, and I'm going to lose my mind. I keep wanting. I keep wanting to say Plotsable the Eiffel Tower or this uh, bike is a pipe bomb, but it's something uh, like that kind of. Let me look it up real quick. Plotsable the Eiffel Tower was on. Uh, that was like a horns band that almost kind of sounded like Blood Brothers. No, I saw them at South by Southwest with some girls, and it was one of those. Some girls. God, I haven't listened I to that band this in forever either. This is an interesting either. podcast right now. Yeah. Know, you you, you, you want to struggle to find like, something? <laughs> that's a, uh, bomb the music industry. That's why I was thinking of this I, band. I would have never got that. Yeah, it's called Bomb the Music Industry. That band was great. <laughs> Wait, where are we going with that? Oh, so the <laughs> thing is, like, they, they did stuff with, like, Side One Dummy as well. So that show that I'm doing, it's uh, me, Chappelle Lacey, uh, our friend Ali Lightfoot, and Joe Sib is going to be at Film Bar September 29th. Uh, it's getting put on by Psycho Steve Presents. Uh, so it's, Steve, it's a, sh- a show Steve Chilton's doing. And uh, we're pushing uh, to try and sell out the, f- the show with pre-sales to the point where Joe might be interested in doing two shows in one night. Gotcha. And then also kind of like, that's kind of what I do like a lot of my shows is I don't require anyone that I put on a show or anyone that asks to do a show to sell tickets. But my, my thing is to like all Phoenix comedians is like, if we sell a lot of these independent shows out ourselves, just with pre-sales, that's going to make more people in LA be like, oh, where were you this weekend? And, oh, I was in Phoenix, man. I just went there. Like, I had no market. I showed up and they had a sold out show and like everyone loved it. Yeah. And they go, maybe I should go to Phoenix. And, and, it's like, oh, if you go to Phoenix, work with these people because they'll sell out your show. doesn't matter what your name is. You know, and I, I totally agree with uh, pushing, you know, shows and stuff like that. Why not? You know, yeah. why not get people in the seats to want to see stuff? That's why I love that, you know, we still, you know, make flyers and stuff like that because, like, it just seriously makes me think of when I was a kid. And, like, you know, uh, that's how I would find – that's how we would find out about a lot of shows. It's like there was there was a guy that was like, hey, man, this show's coming up, yeah. you know, and it, it was all the flyers. And we would 
keep all these flyers because like it's like oh, oh dude man. I have I have shoeboxes in my house yeah. that still have flyers of shows that I my my goodbye show when I left Ohio the last show I did before I moved to Arizona was my band uh, it was um, Never Say Die actually before I left it was yeah it was Never Say Die when I left uh, it was. Taking Back Sunday, brand new in Rufio. Wow. And that was my goodbye show. <laughs> I still have that flyer in a shoebox in my house. And that was when I was 18 years old. And I'm 32. And I'm like, I still have all these collectibles wow. in my house. But um, yeah, just like pushing, like push shows. And that's the other thing, too, is now that we're older, we'd be like, what are you going to do on Friday? You were going to go to a bar and watch a sporting event. Right. You're going to buy drinks. How about you buy two less drinks, come to this show, support what I'm doing for $10, $12, at most $15, Buy the ticket, and if you don't like the show, go hang out in the lobby and yeah. drink like you were going to. Right. Or hang out, watch them. You might see somebody that you've never seen before and actually enjoy this show and be like, oh, man, i got to start doing this more. Right. That's basically how I pitch every show that I'm doing that has to – for ticket purchases. it costs you two beers. I put it into a moniker, like, just buy two less beers this night, and you'll be able to go to a show. Right. And they're like, okay, like, what are you going to do with those two beers? You're going to down them really fast and be like, oh, should I go home? I don't want to go home. Like, I have to work on Monday, so I want to stay out as much as I can. Well, then go to something to where when you go to work on Monday, you have something to brag about. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was and, like, and oh, I went is, to my friend's like, birthday party. It's like, the, oh, I went to this show. Yeah, and the thing is, it's like when you push a show and, you know, get people interested, they're going to have fun. Yeah. Because you, you, you already pulled their interest by, you know, getting them into the show bef- before they, they're actually into the show. So they're like, oh, okay, this sounds fun. So they're already going in, in, into it, like, you know. It's also kind of making fun. It's like making them have plans. Like, I loved Anwar's, like, ticketing thing that he used to do. He would be working at Shady's, and his friends were like, oh, Anwar, when's your next show? And he would just hand him a ticket. He goes, here's a ticket. You owe me $10. I will see you this night. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they'd be like, oh, I don't have any cash on me. He's like, cool. And he pulled out a square, put it in his phone, like, there you go. Huh. You're coming to this show. And they're like, oh, it's almost like bullying people to be like, I'm bullying you to hang out with me this well, night. <laughs> that's what Anwar does well, though, is people want – a lot of people want to follow someone. Where is the good comedy show? What yeah, is yeah. the band I should go see? Yeah. But you have to earn their trust. And once you've earned people's trust, that's how I am now with, with any of the literally the worst show ever. Yeah. I'm just – I know the room will be full. It's not going to have that coming? weird feeling. I missed seven, but I'm definitely coming to eight. You're coming to this one? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was just telling me about the thing they have on it. I was like, dude, that sounds... I'll t- I'll t- I don't it, want to ruin it, but I'll tell you, it's like, almost like we've oh, done That recording. sounds insanely stupid that it's going to be hilarious. Dude, I get this all the time now because I've, like, run a bunch of shows. I got this from... Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to say her name. I don't know if she listens. Uh, Misty McCracken. She hit me up. She was like, hey, any, uh, any shows I can take my boss to this Sunday night that you know of? I was like, hey, it's Brad Williams at Tempe Improv. She's like, do you have tickets? I was like, let me check. There was no special event thing on it. I was like, yeah, I got free tickets to the improv here. Take your boss, hang out. Hmm. Just let him know that it was from me. And then I got a friend from Flagstaff who I haven't talked to in like probably three or four months. And yeah. she was like, hey, I have this whole group of like convention coming down to Phoenix. They need something to do. They're going to be there for a week. Can you help me out? I don't know anything about Phoenix. And I was like, what day is he going to be here? I'll see who's like on the weekends. I'll find out what events are at Crescent, at Valley Bar, this. I was like, if I can get free tickets to some of my will, or if anything, I'll give you options. Right. And the thing is, when you give people options, they're like, okay, so now they don't have to plan their week. And they're like, I'll just hit up my friend who gives me a bunch of options, and I'll just like cherry pick out of what he decides. Because right. whatever he decides, I know is going to be a good time. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to send anybody like, well, I heard there was this thing at the Herberger with a lady's playing yeah. acoustic guitar with her feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there might be like 20 people there. Like, that's something. Yeah. 
Although I would go see that. <laughs> that seems pretty dope. That sounds interesting. <laughs> so are you are you on the next Literally the Worst Show ever? Yes. I'm not doing stand-up. I'm doing oh, uh, yeah, I'm yeah, in the yeah. sketches. I should say for so. the next Literally the Worst Show ever, uh, the headliner, Al Jackson. Like, I've known that guy. I shouldn't say, like, no. Like, we don't personally know each other. Like, just from him performing at, like, Stand Up Live. Known of him. Like, people that he's worked with. Um, he's the headliner. That dude is boss. He was just on At Midnight, like, what, last week or two weeks mm -hmm. ago? Um, he's amazing. So even just telling people like, look, if you don't want to go see the goofiness of the sketches, you have to go see this comedian. And it's only ten dollars. That's it. That's yeah. everyone's like, well, I might try it out. It's like, what are you gonna do with that ten bucks? No, don't break down the drinks again. <laughs> but it's just like, what are you gonna do? Like, just come and hang out. And yeah, I got it. It's come worth hang. it. It's fun. Um, no, that one's gonna be great. And yeah. I like the fact that they do the skits because it is really goofy, but it's kind of like a palate cleanser too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's kind of silly. It gets people into it. I'm. So, I haven't seen an act there that I had disliked yet. I haven't seen anybody get up there where I'm just like, not yet. <laughs> I've seen a couple people there that I disliked. They weren't on the show, but <laughs> <laughs> they were just happened to be there. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, the other one was too. So we have, they have the Lou show over this uh, for the ninth, and then me, Chappelle, Ali Lightfoot, and the, Joe Sibber at Film Bar on the 29th. and then I'm also running a show with Mishka Shubali and Christine Levine. And Anwar's hosting it. I'm just doing a set in the middle. And that's, that's going to be at Rebel Lounge Rebel, yeah. on Friday, October 7th. And if you have any Flagstaff listeners, we'll be in Flagstaff Sunday, October 9th. So it's the same build? It's the just... same build, just we're doing it. In, they're doing it in Tucson. I'm not going to be – they're doing it in Bisbee and Tucson. I'm not on that one. They're doing it in Phoenix for the Friday and Flagstaff for the Saturday. And I'm on those two. Nice. And uh, same thing with those tickets. It's uh, ten bucks uh, presale, twelve at the door. Joe Sib is twelve dollars presale, fifteen at the door. All right. Yeah. And those are the next two big shows you have coming up. Yeah, those ones I'm like pushing the hardest because I really want. And it's not I want really want people to come out and see me. I really want people to see these people that we're bringing into town. Right, right, right. I want to create a market for those people. So that next time they're like, oh, should I go through Phoenix again? I want them to be like, okay, how do I book this tour so I end up in Phoenix at one point? Yeah, I got you on that. One. That's how that. Um, what about you, Chappelle? How often are you trying to get up? So I got, um, I got literally the worst show ever on the ninth, and this is my first time being in like sketch, sketch. comedy, which I'm pretty stoked for. Yeah, dude. Because I know, uh, you know, it's always something I've wanted to tap into, and it's and it's been really fun, like rehearsing and stuff like that. Um, and then I got a show on. What is I think it's the 23rd, so Friday the 23rd um, at ASU. Oh, really? Yeah, they run uh, this show called uh, Stand Up Versus the World. It's all, you know, oh, ASU. Oh, it used to be Roman Grisby's yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, it used to be Roman Grisby's. Yeah, so like the ASU students, they run this show, and sometimes they'll, they'll put like, a, you know, a, a Phoenix local. I did it one uh, time, and my whole set was be like, do not change your major more than three times, you guys. Keep it up. <laughs> and you know what? And, and like – those kids really work hard for that show, and and it's cool because they like look up to the older guys like us in the in the Phoenix scene, and, they, and you know, and try to like use that inspiration for their show, which right. is really cool because uh, just see, just seeing the work that they put out, they get people in the seats, and uh, they make it a fun show. They have and a so, huge and so room every, too. And yeah, mm. and I've done it before, and uh, I've done it like three or four times, and it's always been one of the you know one of the more fun shows that I get to do out here in the Valley. And, and it's, it's an awesome show. I think, I think also for a good show, it has to have a certain air of like spontaneity, just a little bit. Like I know Anwar talks about this, but 
if you can get it to feel a little bit like a party, that's, that's, that's the, that's the <laughs> yeah. ultimate. When, when yeah. me and Anwar like, just sat down for the first time to tell the show, it's like how we're going to make the show feel and this this. And I was like, dude, I want people to feel like they're at like a house party. Right. Or that, like that they're not like in Valley Bar hangout watching something they pay to watch. Like, hey, this is my cool club I'm part of. Yes. And since the first show, our goal was to have such a good show to where they went and told their friends, like, you guys have to come to the next one yeah. with me. So that's why it's been consistently, like, selling out, selling out, selling out, because people are like, oh, no, that's going on. Like, you you guys have to see this. It's yeah. weird. It's bonkers. It's funny. <laughs> the guy, like, hates himself. He's always fucking up on stage, but I think he's doing it on purpose. I don't give me chills, like, thinking about all this shit that we got going on here, because it's... it's- it's cool to see the Phoenix scene pop off, man. Uh, I agree. And it's fun for me to be now feeling more and more integral and being a part of it. All right, yeah. let's wrap this shit up. We're Here's a real quick before you give. I just want to like, because we've been giving like a lot of props to like comedians and bands. These venue owners that are like taking chances with us. Oh, like, <laughs> I am literally going to sit here and kiss ass right now to anyone at Valley Bar, Crescent Ballroom, Rebel Lounge, uh, Third Space, um, Copper Blues that used to let me have it there. Uh, where's the other one? Um, Tempe Tavern, yeah. they're doing, uh, what was the uh, pizza place, Queen's Pizzeria in Mesa? Yeah. yeah. Just these venues that are just like, okay, we'll let you go on stage and talk about how terrible your life is or whatever. Just make sure you bring people in here to like patron our like restaurant or yeah. our venue or our bar. So the fact that like they're taking chances on us and we're turning around and be like, look, you, you, you made the right move. And it's just kind of like props to them because like, no one can they, they can just do a karaoke night right right they'd be like oh we just paid this <laughs> and, uh, but we don't have to sit around and listen to you we don't have to hear like yeah. mild schizophrenics talk about how their parents didn't like them <laughs> they're nice enough to let us talk about it so I appreciate all the venue owners that are doing it yeah no I, I think the same <laughs> appreciate Valley Bar letting you know heavier bands play in there yeah alright a lot coming up guys uh, I would say stay connected to the podcast and sort of what we're doing at facebook.com slash SWSC podcast or southwestsocialclub.com. Um, I would suggest you follow or friend both Eric and Chappelle on Facebook because you guys are always promoting. Yeah, mine's yeah. mine's the same across the board on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Same. I don't do Snapchat. Spell just, it. Spell it. So it's E-R-I-C-K-B-I-E-Z, Eric Baez. And that's on everything. And then Chappelle, spell your name. And that's S-H-A-P-E-L-L-A-C-E-Y. And that's yeah. pretty much on everything. Yes. Friend those dudes, I'd say, and that's how you're going to stay in touch with what you guys are up to. You got anything else? Got anything else? No. Cool beans. Now we can just yeah. hang out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to play with your dog a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> All right, guys. Love you. See you soon. Bye-bye.